Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Surreal Global Fantasy Football Podcast. Today, myself, Hybe, and you'll never walk alone, are delighted to be joined by Craig Douglas, a man with a blue tick and a big following, also known as Nep or Nep and Tiz, to discuss his journey on Surreal over the last eight months, why Surreal is so much better than foot, and why he's getting that across to his 2.2 million followers, Haaland's unique auction, and much, much more. So welcome, Nep. A pleasure to have you on the pod. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so welcome, welcome. You can call me by my real name, my government name, because it doesn't happen often. So, yeah. One one question for you guys really quickly. I heard in the podcast I listened to last time, you both pronounce it Sorare. Is it Sorare or is it so rare? Or Sorari. Well, yeah, or Sorare, yeah. Yeah, this is a this is the question, right? When I started, I was pronoun- I was pronouncing it in some weird and, and funky ways, and it was changing every time. It was, it was definitely more Sorari. It's become Sorare, Sorare to, to me. For, Fair enough. For, I mean, for me, it's always been Sorare. I mean, but, you know, we're part of um, weekly stand-ups in a DAO, which is dominated by French people, who, uh, although we have the uh, stand-ups in English... Yeah, you do hear the occasional Sorari. It sounds a little bit sexier <laughs> in French. Um, but uh, no, it's always been Sorare for me. And again, for those that uh, produce content on a regular basis, where on earth you've got this capital R in the middle of Sorare, you know, cut it out. It's wrong. We're going to have to start banning people from listening. I, I'll tell you where like my idea came from of why it would be called so rare is because it's like about like the cards are so rare. There's this rarity, that rarity, they are just so rare, you know? So I just, I thought it was a play on the different rarities within the game, I guess not. I think being three years in and, and still not having a definitive answer, it's, 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 it's yeah, it's, uh, we've, we, it's, it's open to interpretation. I mean, you could say that the SO at the beginning is for soccer. And yeah. then it's, uh, yeah, and it's rare. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's, I don't think there's any hard and fast rule. It's so rare. <laughs> it is indeed so, so rare. Give us the husky version again, Mark. <coughs> Sorari. No, that does sound Paul, a lot better, I've got, to, I've got to say, yeah. Yeah, we stick to Sorare. So, Neb, it's been about eight months since you've joined the, the platform. Yeah, I'd, I'd say probably the first three months, you can't even count. I literally logged on, signed up, and then didn't look at the site again for three months. So about five months, really, maybe six months. A lot of people seem to do that. Why do you think that is? Um, do you think there's too much to take in? Well, I had an opportunity to work with So Rare. Oh, sorry, So Rare. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get there. I had an opportunity to work with them, and I looked at the platform, and I think like a lot of new users, I was just a overwhelmed and underinformed by what was actually there, and b they didn't have the limited versions of cards at them at that time. And so, looking at the rares, I was like, wow, you have to spend like hundreds of pounds just to be able to like just buy a player or get involved or anything, and because of my history, which I'm sure we'll get to at some stage throughout this pod, I, I was just like, no, I'm not working with this. I, I don't know enough about it. And off the back of that, I ended up getting into like the actual physical football cards quite a bit over the next couple of months. And every time I tweeted out about like a good pool or just a box that I'd had, I'd just have an influx of people. Oh, have you, have you checked out Sorare? Like you should check them out if you like this. After a few months, I was like, you know what? This has been way too many times now. Let me go and give it another look. And that's when I've some serious time into the site they've made some changes the limited cards had appeared they made some ui upgrades and uh, you know then i was like, okay i'm starting to see the appeal a little bit more here uh, as Harvey just said there i think it has been quite a common trait to to get that conversion whether it's someone that's brand new whether it's someone that's 
you know, very au fait or experienced with different types of football games or management games. Um, I think one thing that you perhaps we don't appreciate as more longer term users of the platform is that we don't see these changes or iterations in the onboarding. So we sort of know that things are happening and improvements are there. And, you know, I think the retention rate's always been good for Surya. So, and I think a large part of that, I believe, is driven because of people's enthusiasm towards the sport and towards the platform itself. It's almost like, I'm going to learn this, even if it does look challenging, because I like what's behind the other side of that door. Sure. So I, I, I will learn it. Um, but I say, even for seasoned, I say, content creators that have, you know, got familiarity with, you know, games and how things evolve, it is maybe it is then just the, the money barrier, which um, is that initial stigma. But, you know, maybe that has gone away with the introduction of limited cards, although even limited cards, you know, when you look at the prices, you've got Haaland's today going for 0.9 and Mbappe's going for 1.2 ETH. These are not these are not cheap cards. These are still many, many multiples more than what people were spending for rares and super rares and even uniques, you know, 24 yeah. months ago. You built up quite a, a collection. You've got a lot of limited and, and rare cards now and you, you could lot. just say crap it's fine i've got a lot of crap yeah no it, it looks like you're <laughs> you're building multiples of players so playing that game where you know players coming back from injury or, or looking at transfer news or players coming into the lots of young rookie cards here so players potentially coming into the squads is that something that you enjoy about the platform so some of it's for content um like some of the like group purchases or whatever of trying to what I wanted to do was do a challenge of I'm going to pick a player that I think is going to 2x, 3x, 4x in price for whatever reason, wait until it does or doesn't happen, depending on that reason, and then show the outcome of that. And I don't want to do it. I don't want to put that first part of the video live because I don't want the viewership to influence the market in any way. And I know what people are like. Like if I buy some players, they'll all just go and buy those players and artificially increase his price, which obviously isn't like what I wanted. So some of it's for that. Some of the rookie purchases were because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and rookies were just constantly very, very cheap, I guess, because they don't play. So I just bought about like 30 rookies for anywhere between two pounds and 15 pounds. And fortunately, a few of them have skyrocketed and made some good money. But um, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I still don't really know what my plan is with so rare. I do like the idea of trading. And I do like the idea of buying players out of form or an injury or, um, you know, suspended or or whatever. But the time investment for me right now just isn't there. I, I need to just dedicate a lot more time to be able to pull those moves off. And I just don't have that at the moment. Obviously, you, you, you're famous for people following you and you, you know, curating some, some, some amazing content, which has got you the followership it has. In terms of how you went about learning to play Serrere, who have you looked, I mean, is this self-taught or have you started to follow others that you think, okay, well, you know, they must know what they're talking about. Let's follow oh. that. Let's follow that. How have you gone about, you know, building your own knowledge base on Surrey? Yeah. I mean, like, like mo mostly through just trial and error. I, I watched John a little bit. Um, I think he's a really good content creator, but I haven't really got into watching too much content. I mean, the first podcast I listened to was your, you on John's podcast. Um, and it was an eye opener because it, it, I learned more just listening to that podcast than I did in some weeks of being on the site myself. And so the, I guess the, the ego inside of me wants to think that I can just do it all myself and learn it all myself and become this insane surreal trader or player or a guy that yields massive returns every week. 
but then I hear a piece of information where I'm like, whoa, I never thought of it like that. And it just brings me right back down to earth. And I'm like, yeah, let me, let me try this and let me look at it in a different light. And it's, it is difficult when also trying to create content on the platform and having the, as lack of knowledge as I do and still learning on different trends and different things on a week to week basis. Like it's, it is, there is that kind of like risk element of, I really hope that even though I'm not advising anyone to do anything. I really hope I don't just give off the wrong kind of idea of what's happening, if that makes sense. No, I, I agree. And, and I think, you know, we've, you know, made a conscious decision to, you know, we want to, to, to bring more content to the podcast this year. And we're going to do that through, you know, regular Sarare updates and inviting managers like yourself to, to come and share their stories. But we still feel that there's, you know, life outside of Sarare as well. There are other games and, you know, it's interesting to bring uh, people from different backgrounds to discuss, you know, what they like about different football games, which may, again, help and influence uh, the Sarare community as well. One thing that I've always felt, I don't know, Hybe, if you feel the same way, is that, you know, you're, if you're streaming FIFA, you know, there's there's a ton of content there from, you know, watching someone actually play a game uh, to, you know, having some fun on the transfer market or, or you know, picking teams, what have you. In Sarare, I personally find, is there that much, you know, content that you would actually want to tune in to watch someone actually do, you know, yes, you can watch someone open their awards. I don't know why you would, but you know, some people do. Um, yes. You can watch someone look at the transfer market and okay. Yeah. You might get some information from that building teams. Okay. I think for me where the value is in the community, is that still almost like sense of camaraderie that people want to help you find oh, the DMPs, because the game is so heavily driven around the tournaments and, you know, finding five players and making sure they all play. And now you've got to make sure they get, you know, 60, 70, 80 points. Plus it's that, you know, as I say, camaraderie that everyone clubs together and going, Oh, be careful. That guy's suspended. Oh, you know, be careful. He's got a rumor. He didn't, he didn't come back from international duty till then. You might want to be careful. That's interesting content, but how do you go about displaying that in a, in a, in a fun way? Yeah, absolutely. And there, there's, I think there's a lot of, great content to be made on so rare and i would like to hope to be able to open up some content avenues for other creators and in fact i did a video a couple of weeks ago just on, on not even my own content and it's it is crazy how not watching somebody like not like when i'm producing content on fifa and it's not my own like share play packs or something open in other people's packs it it's sometimes really confusing as to why other people care to watch that because even it doesn't influence me the way whether the guy gets something good or not other than the that kind of like I guess rush of adrenaline of oh, okay we've hit something good. I did a video on one of the managers in the game week that finished first in the red division and one that finished first in the limited division or third perhaps. Worked out how much they paid for their players, how much they got for their rewards, and the price increase of their players. And I did, I, I wanted to use it as an experimental video, and I didn't push that content anywhere on any of my social channels. Just put it up to the Surya channel, which is really small at the moment, and it's one of my better performing videos. And it's because people crave to know what's been done or how things have been done. And so uh, building lineups is always a, a great one. But one thing that I want to do, especially for lower budget managers, which is something I do on FIFA, is always try and encourage people not to spend money. And here's how to get things out of the game without spending money is do like a 100 pounds to 200 pounds challenge or an in, you know, a three month investment plan is the players that I bought for just 50 pounds. Let's see where they are in three months. And create content that people will, will find interesting enough because they they can 
go along with it. And it, something that you said in your podcast with John was that this this, this is about money. And you, you'd mentioned how not not it's just about money. I, I'm not trying to take your words out of context, but you referenced the is it worth giving the rewards, let's say, on the um, casual division down to 100 or 180? Because if those players don't play anyway, you're not losing spenders. You know, you, they weren't going to convert anyway. And so I, I definitely understand that there's a larger aspect of play, but especially for a lot of my audience, who, contrary to popular belief, are mostly over the age of 18, probably don't have the revenue or the funds to be able to buy a rare player or a rare goalkeeper, let alone a, a, an SO5. And might look at this more as an opportunity to join me in a, a road to glory, so to speak, of spending limited money using knowledge as your power, as your revenue source to actually drive healthy returns. But to, in terms of the content, one thing that I think the So Rare community could do huge, which I think would be massive that I'm going to set up after Team of the Year finishes on FIFA for myself and my channel, is watch-alongs. When you've got five players, and I know people do half stacks or stacks and, and or even just five individual players from five different teams, tracking those players and following along with them and the ups and downs of they've done good or they've done bad and how that influences your position in the leaderboards, I think that that can make for incredible content, especially if you get like group watch-alongs with other managers that have got similar players or players playing for the same teams. There's an amazing opportunity for content within that that kind of area. No, I, 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 I do agree to that. And I, I think the other thing which sort of links with that, yes, you're, I think you're referring there to watching players and the performance and, you know, celebrating a decisive action such as an assist or a goal or, you know, clean sheet, for example. I think that there's more to come also on individual player card yields. And obviously since the Haaland auction a few days back, uh, obviously there's been, you know, lots of chatter, lots of uh, community talk and questions and uh, is it worth this? Is it worth that? I think we should, I think we'll have things like, you know, I'm surprised we haven't already got like a, a Harland unique tracker where, you know, we now have like day one, day two, day three, day four. How much has it yielded in week one? How much has it yielded in, in, in week two? Because yeah. I think these are, these are all, you know, again, Harland versus a Harland rare or, you know, Harland versus Mbappe. I mean, you know, we've had an era where we've had Ronaldo be messy and everyone's trying to say who's better than the other, who's better than the other. Um, and if we are going to go through another era where it's, Harlan in one corner and Mbappe in another corner. It'd be interesting to see, you know, we've got a perfect platform where we can, you know, show exactly how these guys are performing week in, week out. Okay, you might say that, oh, I'd prefer to see these metrics or that's not fair on that player versus that player. But near as damn it, over a course of, you know, a, certainly a season, and then you start to extrapolate out over two seasons, three seasons, five seasons, we're going to start to see who's the best player in the world, you know, Absolutely, statistically, yeah. statistically anyway. Yeah, that, that is very interesting. And that, that Haaland in general was very interesting. I'm, I can and can't believe at the same time how much he went for, but that just use what you mentioned there, the, the tracking stuff, there is so much potential in so rare that it like, it like, it actually keeps me like super excited. And this is coming from somebody who doesn't really, know or engage in the platform as well as you guys do and the, and I, I look at things and i think to myself I, I don't know what their kind of roadmap is i know that i've seen some bits and bobs from some tweets and stuff but the potential of so rare because of coming from the foot background where they underutilize their potential as well but that's because they're governed by electronic arts so rare doesn't have that global you know that kind of like righteous governing body above telling them what they can or can't do 
this is a whole new space and a whole new world. And I think the amount of really cool concepts that could be created, could be tracked and content could be made around, would just be incredible for the platform. How do you feel that differs from foot? So you've got millions of people who tune in and watch foot. There's no real financial incentive for them. Typically, people are spending money to, to engage and play and enjoy that, that game in communities at home with their, their friends and, and, and on their own. How, how do you think that differentiates from Surreir from what you've seen so far? Foot has the, the pack issue. Like People get so addicted to the packs, that, that kind of endorphin rush of hitting the new special card. Yeah, I must admit, seeing some of your tweets, I, so I, I'm not, I've not been, played foot. I don't think I've really played FIFA since I was a, like in my teens. But some of the tweets you put out, I don't understand what they what they mean. Some of them, <laughs> I, I know what team of the year means, obviously, but yeah, yeah there's some of the, the acronyms that you're using and things that it's it's obviously it's a vibrant community. You can see this, you know, there's thousands of people engaging with these tweets. They're obviously really enthusiastic about it. I see all sorts of other pack openings and people showing their, you know, their, I don't know, their, their 95 Mbappe or, or whatever it is and different colours. It doesn't mean a, a lot to me, but there's obviously a lot of fervour around it. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why I think Surya has such a, a, a great possibility of being bigger than FUT in regards because, it, like, they have the rarities. They have the like, like FIFA, like FUT specifically now has turned into more of a card collecting game because the gameplay at any kind of reasonable level is just very bad. It's very game mechanic abusive. It's not fun to play. It's more of a stress once you get past that like super casual stage. Okay. And with so rare because it's linked to real football, it's almost FUT with real world gameplay. And once that crossover is made and once onboarding is a lot more user-friendly with so rare and once even now like explanations of how things work and you know the new uh, my teams section which is fantastic once they implement a few things that i would consider the like vital pieces of ui i, I think that a lot of fans and fifa fans will and even like fpl fans will start to trans like, transfer over to so rare because it has that real world touch rather than just the gaming side of things. And it still has the gaming side, the card collection side, the reward side, the squad building side. It has multiple facets of what FUT has in the platform itself. That's interesting because I obviously just thought that FUT was about the gameplay and the, the card element is secondary. It's obviously it's, it's what's driving people to spend money and to, to engage with it but and opening these, these packs. But ultimately you're opening them to to be able to play these players, but it sounds like that's not really the case. People are, it's yeah, more really. about, it's more about accumulating points and, and trying to pick up these different cards and, yeah, and trade absolutely. them. Yeah, so, trading and, and more of a flex of like, here's my team, rather than watch me play with this team. So this is spending money to flex online to show some cards that you'll lose at the end of a, a season and have to repeat the whole process again? Yeah, uh, and I, I talked about this on stream today. Okay, because people are like, I was talking about so rare in this podcast and coming on, and one guy was just like, NFTs are a scam. And I'm just like, well, play, you play FIFA. That is the scam. Like, not to say it's a scam per se, because it's entertainment at the end of the day. If you've got the finances yep. to be able to spend on it, then you do you. But you are getting nothing back at the end, like ultimately, because even the best players in the game 
like the way we try and like associate it is like imagine you had that Haaland 200 and what was it 265 ethereum now imagine you can play that exact same card that will get 99.5 percent of what he gives you for like 0.1 ethereum which one would you use yeah exactly so what do you think is the barrier then you talked about there's a few ui enhancements things enablers that would help the food community come on board to Surreal. what are those what do the team need to be working on to to bring the masses i mean on the spot a little bit there because i don't really have anything any one particular thing of like this would work but as i use the site i'm like this could be handy and that could be handy and when when you just like look at cards like sometimes it's like takes three clicks to get to a place on one screen that you can get to on one click on another screen and um to look at uh i mean they've changed it a little bit now but to look at past game weeks was a real real big struggle but now you've got the cycle button to find to find in your club like when i go to my card section because i've got a lot of absolute troughs in there to find relevant cards takes too long and i understand there are filters to find the cards that you do want but it would be nice for example to have filters to filter out cards rather than filter in cards i agree yeah that'd be a nice addition do you feel as though you've joined a game whose fundamental one of the fundamental pillars is a collector based game or do you feel and this might be a slightly loaded question because it's, it's i'm pr- maybe transmitting a little bit of how i feel so I'll, I'll throw that in there do you feel this is a collector based game or do you feel there is pressure or there is more this is this is more of an economic simulator that just happens to be based around football cards yeah i, I definitely the latter i don't think this is a collector's game and i think they would do a great job of onboarding more people if there was more value in the collector aspect and that's something again you talked about with yeah club achievements yeah yeah there you go sorry i found it eventually yeah so 10 or top 100 significant number of times and, and you get something so the collector aspect in in regards to that especially if like social platforms now are going to be kind of validating nfts as like you can click on someone's nft and see it in their wallet that they own that and that's a real thing things like that could be super valuable with a collector side of things, but it would also be cool to have a collector aspect of if you collect 11 of one team and maybe a manager and maybe a badge and a kit and something like that to give more value to even more things within the game, then you get a very special X card and it's numbered. And of course there'll be multiple of them because lots of people could collect that team and claim their NFT. But then you've got an NFT that offers a different utility somewhere else. For example, just puts you in a drawer you know, like how they did the uh, La Liga tickets, the ticketed edition cards, which you're in a draw once a week for a ticketed edition card, things like that. I, I think that would really encourage people to just be on the site more and it would give so much more utility to those cards that are just worthless at the moment. Yeah, you know, yeah 100%. I mean, it's, reward it's, true it's, fandom as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, op- offering NFTs or experiences around NFTs that cannot be bought at auction, so it's not just the largest wallet ends up taking something. It's, as I say, you know, my memories of FIFA a few seasons back now, but, you know, for example, if there was a Liverpool player of the month, you know, I'd obviously do whatever it took, take, you know, buy cards off the market to, you know, assemble a team that would unlock that player of the month. If it was a Man United player of the month, I'd be doing the opposite. I'd be finding players that other people would need to unlock that particular card and I'll be holding them to ransom uh, so that it cost them more and I could benefit off the back of that. And I think, Again, whilst I'm sure there's a, a new twister uh, and you know something that's a spin that Sarah can put on it, something using that sort of base foundation, almost like you've got the weekly challenge. 
Now, some people are going to look at the weekly challenge as soon as it's launched and go, no, I don't have the collection for that. Well, I've got one or two players, if it's the, say, over 30s or whatever the, whatever the eligibility is, and they go, well, I'll tell you what, well, I don't need them, but there'll be a lot of people this week need over 30 cards to compete. So what I'll do is I'll sell my over 30s this week. It's an optimal time for me to perhaps cash in on those and maybe I can strengthen elsewhere. Conversely, some people might look at that and go, that's absolutely perfect for my collection. I can use my over 30s this week or, you know, I'm only one short. Let me go to the market, buy an over 30s card. Then I'll be able to compete and I'll, I'll hopefully be able to unlock something. Uh, and I see very similar. Yeah, I'd like to see something very similar with, with the collections. It's like, okay, well, as you just said there, whether it's a, a team of 11, whatever it happens to be, but here is a set of criteria. It doesn't have to be easy and it can be hard. It can be challenged, various different degrees of difficulty. And then at the end, like I think they do it in NBA Top Shot, you have to collect certain things. And at the end, you get something which is never going to be auctioned and it's never possible to win. So yeah. great. At that point, you've got to make a conscious decision. Are you going to go for it? And then, you know, there may be some short-term sacrifices that you need to make within your collection to try and unlock this NFT. Or are you going to sell into those that are going to go ham and, 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 and try and achieve it? Either way, it's going to cause ripples in the market where there's going to be opportunities to then buy and sell. And as you just said, Nep, it's, it's, it's going to give people a reason to log on every day because bar logging in on a Tuesday to do your teams or Friday to do your teams, if you're not in the market for a player, there's no real incentive or reason to keep signing in at the moment until you need to freshen up your team or you actually need to perform an action. Yeah, absolutely. I think long-term retention of users does need that. You need to have a reason to actually be coming back to a game on a regular basis. If it's becoming a, a weekly chore or a bi-weekly chore and something you're, you're just doing, you know, obviously there's, there's great rewards there, but there needs to be something that keeping, that's keeping you coming back, that's engaging you day-to-day. And I think in the early stages for most people, that is the, the transfer market and building up your teams. But when you've sort of got to a stage where you've got a collection that you're happy enough with, what is that? And obviously we see a lot of the third-party games and, and they offer different things. I'm sure we'll see more. Sir Mega, I mean, that's a good example that, yeah. you know, you're able to log in on a daily basis. And, you know, even if there's nothing to do, you get your 10 points. You know, it's 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 almost, you know, and, and I, I, I must admit that I don't use Sir Mega every week. But when I do think, oh, shit, I've got, got some team, like extra tournaments, I'm missing out on tournaments. So... That's actually a trigger for me. Go, oh, not only am I going to get my 10 points, but I'm going to get the ability to, to set some more teams now that Sarah Data's back up and running in terms of the tournaments for this year as well. Sarah Bragg, if you've got a social league as well, you know, we, we need these constant reminders to log in. And I say, even if it is a nominal amount of, you know, points or whatever coins, whatever happens to be towards your shop, you know, for a lot of people, that's another, that's, that's part of the journey. And logging in every day for 30 days might equate to, you know, 10% of the value of a, you know, rare card, which, you know, it all adds up. And if, you know, hundreds and thousands of people are doing that on a day-to-day basis, then it's it's another way that uh, the game in general is going to progress. Yeah, I haven't really looked too much into the the external site. So I did, I went on to So Rare Mega a few times. I didn't really understand how it works and I haven't put the time in to learn just yet. And I, I was also very curious as to how they got their rewards. But it is, is So Rare... So Rare Bragg, is that the custom leagues one? It is, yeah. Yeah, So Rare Bragg, they've, they've opened up four, six, eight, ten now. And yeah, so yeah, that, again, yeah. has massive potential for content creation. Like, even if it's just you and your viewers creating a custom league, like, I could just say for myself, okay, guys, I'm going to put up this rare card and whoever wins the league will win the card at the end of the league. And 
it, it just allows to create a lot of uh, content creation. Just to drop back really quickly to one of the UI things I think would be super, super valuable. I would love the ability to put notes on a card just so I can note down why I bought them, how much I bought them for in pounds and ETH, what I want to do with them, if what what SO5 team they're, they're belonging to, if any at all, would be a huge addition. Absolutely, yeah. I've got a lot of players that I've got in the collection. I'm like, why did I buy him? There was a reason, <laughs> there was a reason right? And yeah, you, you lose track. And notes for managers as well, I think, is good. You know, there's there's obviously some good people out there that you go, yeah, good trade partner or Harbour firm, you know, you know, things that would help you when you, you know, go on to negotiate. I mean, there are the start of some features. I mean, the club shop we've already touched on, but that hasn't really evolved over the first, you know, nine, 12 months since it was established. We've got this best five, which again, you know, it just updates. There's no really way in which you can really influence it. We've got our Hall of Fame, which we can put our favourite five, but the best five just sort of, you know, ticks along in the background and don't think anyone's really quite worked out yet um, if, if, if it works. Um, you know, there, there, there are the start of things there, the follow feature. But again, you know, what are we doing? We're following people, but it, it, it never materialised beyond the follow button. So I think there are a few tweaks and, you know, quick wins that can be made i say quick you know i don't know how long these things take to implement and you know say they've probably got a growing list of priorities but there are there are glimpses there for me that again someone that comes in and takes this by the scruff of the neck and shakes the ui about a bit um and, and we could be looking at something a lot more exciting a lot more different in six to twelve months yeah it's primed primed for that i'm sure we, we see development but i've said this for, for months now and i think yeah, there there is definitely a bit of sentiment change in the community around how long it's taken to to get things. And I know after the the big auction, the big Howland auction the other day, there there was a, a bit of a flare up in, in Discord, and people just yeah putting out some of their, their frustrations there around lack of development when we're seeing so much investment into the company. I think it does take time. I think Dan and the team are not in an easy place. We we need to see more development over. Over the, the next few months, we've seen loads of development outside in the, in the third-party sites, and those are keeping a lot of managers engaged. The the promise of the progress bar, whatever that's going to be called or, or branded as, probably needs some kind of rough timeline on that. And I know in the past I've said we've over-promised and under-delivered. We need to get to a position where we have a, an idea of when implementations are, are going to be expected. So if that's not this year, or if it's going to be in quarter three or quarter four, some kind of rough expectation of where we're working towards. And if things slip, things can slip, but regular communication and a few updates along the way, I think would help. Yeah, I would I would absolutely agree. I mean, when I first came back to Rare five months ago and I was looking into buying my first Rare team, I was advised by a couple of the content creators I was chatting to at the time to maybe hold off because that Ethereum threshold might disappear soon. And so it influenced my decisions then, and it still influences me now. I'm like, do I really want to invest this much money into a team to try and get that yield back and essentially make the money back over time or to have it just ripped away in a month or potentially be there for three years and I've missed out on some weeks of it? That's it. And I have seen that comment from quite a few others in the community. And I think at the time, any talk of the introduction of a progress bar was always tempered with, yes, we'd be removing thresholds but they'd be re replaced by something that was a far enhanced 
system. So something that would benefit more managers and, and be better for the, the wider game ecosystem. So I think that's something to, to be cognizant of. It's not a case of it being ripped away and then left with nothing. And that's a an income stream that there would be a replacement there that should potentially enhance the experience for users and, and make being able to invest in these players or invest in a team to try and grind back value in in a, in a way um, possible, whether that's getting that back via enhanced players or more the ability to build up a, to a T1 through points or, or whatever that looks like. I think that there, there is going to be a, a replacement, but just probably need a bit more clarity on where that's all, all at at the moment. Yeah. Well, you could do that with an AMA, couldn't you? Yeah, we used to have them. Well, look, I think, you know, we don't want to drift into a scenario because I think, you know, each week we're so, we, we so want to see these new features coming. Again, already, we, you know, we can't forget in the month of January, we've had the massive Serena Williams news, which I think is huge. Um, we have had a few tweaks and a few more things that we can, you know, the, the My Team feature, which is really nice. Again, there's still a few, you know, if you actually use the, set your teams in training and uh, and shuffle stuff around. I think you highlighted NEP earlier that, you know, there are a few things that I think, you know, with just a, a bit more thoughts, a couple of buttons here, a couple of buttons there, you know, and uh, it could be slicker, could be smoother, but it's the start. Uh, and as long as we continue to provide feedback, then, you know, you'd like to think that these things are going to get chalked, up, chalked off one by one. But I think one of the questions I wanted to ask you today is, there must be also such a big difference between providing content for what is pretty much now, you know, it's a, a game which has been around for a couple of decades. It's a polished game. Okay, you've you've said, you know, maybe the, the, the gameplay itself is a bit stale or it's not as good and, you know, what have you. But by and large, you, you don't look at FIFA and go, it's a work in progress. It's, you know, a, a, an annual title from EA delivered, people queue up, go mad at the beginning and just, you know, they just go for it. Serere is, and I think for the foreseeable, will continue to be a work in progress. And so again, you're going to have fans that are used to seeing slick, polished, you know, finished projects like Football Manager, like uh, FIFA, all the licenses, all the bells and whistles, you know, nothing goes wrong. It's, you know, it's exactly what it says on the tin and you play it and, and you enjoy it to the degree that you enjoy it. But then you come across to Serere and it's not that it's it's almost there so they're over the hill in terms of licenses there's obviously the premier league still to tick off and a few others but by and large all the licenses are almost there the gameplay okay yeah if you play it long enough you're going to notice that there's things that you think might be able to be improved but it's not polished or it's not completely finished and and there are going to be little chinks there that you think oh and do you think that has maybe uh, an impact or can potentially turn off those that come and see it from a, a background like FIFA where everything, you know, does work 99 times out of 100? Not not really, because FIFA is actually not quite nearly as polished as you might think. And they they actually have the, the dev team and the live team for FAR is extremely small. Um, and like I, with anything, I guess, you know, they are bound by deadlines that they generally can't meet because they're under you know underpaid and overworked and there was a, a reddit account at the start of fifa 20 that was tracking every mistake ea made from day one until the end of the game cycle and by the end of the first week or so he had to give up because it was like a hundred errors that they had already made that were like not significant to the point of game breaking but significant to anyone who was like a daily user of the game 
Um, and that there's even with FIFA, there's so many inconsistencies between the web app, the companion app, and the console version of the game of how things work, the the flow of where things go, and how you can get to them. And it's it's actually an, in many regards as a daily user, it's an awful game for so many reasons. But I don't think so rare having it's kind of like little bugs and issues here and there is too much of a turnoff in my personal opinion. Um, I, I, my, my, my personal experience with Sores website is it's just a cold site from the card designs and how very basic they are to the way you set your teams up to like the way you look at how your players are performing. It's, it's, it's all very so limited, especially when I look at Sores data, which is a bit of a mess in itself in, how you navigate, but it has so much data, or hence name, I guess. But I think if this was on the actual website, people would be so much more in tune with being on the website. No, I, I don't disagree with that at all. No, fair yeah. observations. Yeah, I think that's fair. We do all spend quite a lot of time on Surreal Data, don't you? I think it's, yeah. we've always said, <laughs> you'd be lost without it. I don't think you can really play Surreal effectively without using that. And, People are getting lots of benefits off it. What, what about but, when you come to Surrey for the first time and you don't see the Premier League? How do you think that might impact? Uh, yeah, oh, I, those, I think, those that are familiar with like loading up FIFA. Yeah, I'm going to be Liverpool, Man United, Man City, Chelsea, whoever it happens to be. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if they can get the license into the Premier League, it will be a huge, huge, huge win. Even just for card collectors, like I would love to own all the Arsenal cards just for the sake of owning them. I don't care if I can use them. I don't care if they go up or down in value. I don't care if the NFT world booms in the next 10, 20 years or dies a, a cold, hard death. I just want them. And I think Premier League for that will be massive. And one, one of, to, to kind of answer the question a little bit more, I guess, one of the biggest pieces of feedback I've had from my community when going on So Rare, again, is, is not even really about So Rare or the fact that there is the... There, there is a gambling element, right? Let's, okay, we can pretend or we can say it's not gambling because it's not gambling, but there is a risk. There is gambling, like, entities, I suppose, in, in, involved. And people are just so uneducated on the whole NFT scene. But I think there's, it's more about just being scared that it is a scam than, rather than the site itself being any kind of issue. Yeah, and that, and that seems to be blowing up a lot now. I mean... Uh, funny, I saw the Andrew Andy Robertson NFTs that came out a couple of days ago. Yeah, I put a comment on there, you know, confirm that actually Andy Robertson NFTs did exist on Sarah at least a year ago, which they did. And there was an official LFC tweet today. I think Andy Robertson had a, an interview with Nike. And within a few minutes, obviously, as you would expect on a club official tweet, hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of comments straight away. But the first ones that came on were like, you know, they were turned off because, you know, Andy put his name on an NFT. So, oh, no, don't, you know, not, um, you know, unfollow. I, mean, I can't remember the exact words that people were using, but it was very anti-NFT. And I think you've got, you know, three clear categories of people at the moment. You've got those, that are, you know, riding the roller coaster of these uh, PFPs, you know, the apes, the punks and all the different various uh, bits and pieces like that. Then you've got people like us who love NFTs. But, you know, we're, we're probably influenced more by the utility of the NFT than the NFT itself. Yeah, okay, yeah, I agree with you on the Arsenal side, on the Liverpool side. I'd still like to collect. I don't think I'd have gone as crazy as I had done 
Um, had they not had the utility aspect, you never know. Instantly, do you know you can get your Arsenal NFTs on um, Fantastic as well? Have you seen those? Uh, no, I haven't, no. So that's, you know, I'll share that after you to the end, but that's another platform. They've got a few licenses like Real Madrid, Arsenal, but these are pure collector-based ones you get on your phone and you can swap with people as well. And then you've got this newest be emerging, you know, they're obviously fearful of change or fearful, as you said, of things that they don't know or have yet to, yet to really discover properly. But yeah, there's, there, there seems, unless my timeline has just suddenly been infiltrated by some, some new people, it's, uh, yeah, a lot more NFT in general hate out there. And, you know, people yeah. proclaiming they know exactly how these NFTs are harming the environment, where I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure if you asked them, put a gun to their head, they probably wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, but it's fascinating. I think that disruption that NFTs are having in general, yeah, I think we all are expecting that. You know, and in, in, in a few years, we're going to look back and half the things we've talked about today are, are going to be derelict and non-existent. But there will be a few. And I, I still maintain that Surya has as good a chance as any uh, of being around and being the leader within their respective sector. That, that, that there is exactly how I try to explain to people why I think Surya has so much potential. Is because people are like, oh, but what if another site comes along? Or what if NFTs just die a death? Okay, what about that jumper that you bought yesterday to go out for the weekend that you paid £100 for? What about if that goes in a wash and gets torn? Like, you lose the value of it. Like, there's no assurances with absolutely any consumer product ever. And so why are you looking at something crypto or NFT themed as a big danger machine? And it's because it's not normalized. And I, some, I, I try to suggest to people the best way I can when explaining football nfts specifically let's even ignore the utility of what you have with the uh the so rare nfts and i say to my viewers and i'll even ask you the same question right now if you were to show me your best physical like collector's card that you have how would you do it and the answer is you would take a picture of it of it and show it to me so you'd give me a digital version of a physical form which is no different to showing me the digital version and when I explain it like that to people, they kind of understand a little bit more of like, okay, I, I, I get it now. Like, and that's where I then come back to Sora. And I think the way these cards look, I think people would be so much more inclined to just collect them if they just looked nicer. And if there was different versions of cards that had maybe even no utility, but were just there as collector's items, like a, a Robertson cannot play, does not play, really fun looking team of the season card and it's just like pe- people would still just pay to buy them just to have him and i think that's where so rare can really capture like the fat audience and the fifa group of people that want to kind of step out of the gaming the video gaming element into more of a collector's utility real gaming i suppose element yeah, there's like so many choices. I mean, you, you, your cards could, you know, we see again in the in the world of NFTs that ownership of one particular NFT then unlocks other experiences. That might be an experience in the physical world, which you've you've again highlighted again with the uh, special La Liga uh, ticket cards that were were able to be won tail end of last year. But uh, again, there's no reason that ownership of a card cannot give you an airdrop to something else. Again, it might be a skin. It might be you know, a, a different way to 
show off your card in, in your gallery and you know dive beneath the skin it's still the same card offers the same as anyone else but it might have a different cosmetic look uh, than something else which as you say is no coincidence that again on my timeline even though i don't follow a lot of fifa people but i can always tell you when it's the team of the week or i can always tell you when there's a special special drop because you know i see i see the different colors and and and, and the different action shots that show off you know the players again in a different way than the, the regular bronze silver and gold yeah so with everything that you've learned so far and, and your enthusiasm towards the platform moving forward, what are your next steps as a, as a, a Serrere player? So forgetting your audience of people that follow you, what do you want to achieve in Serrere over in 2022? What's your goals? Um, well, my, my first goal is just sorting out my portfolio because it's it's an absolute shambles. It really is. Um, I, I, I want to start, I, I, I mean, you know, I want to start yielding good returns. I've I've currently got about 23 ETHs worth of Ethan players all together in the account. And I've not been good at all at utilizing that to my advantage. Um, Amazing that within two or three sentences, you've used the word portfolio, yield, <laughs> ETH. <laughs> we, we've, we've definitely left the collector segment of the uh, the pod behind and we're going straight back to Sarah the investment, yeah? <laughs> yeah, because it is like, you know, I'm in an incredibly fortunate position where I've got a lot of disposable income and I want to, like, as, as my life goal, I've always wanted more and it, it's like... Things of like whatever I've been doing now, whatever I've been getting to now, whatever goal I've set for myself to achieve, when I've reached that goal, it's never felt like enough. And so I always want more. And so from so rare, I see it as a really good opportunity with the time I have to put into it, the money I have to put into it, and the passion I have in general for football, gaming, and more recently NFTs. I, I want to be a big fish in the so rare world nice well you need to stop buying arsenal players i'll tell you that <laughs> hey they've done all right for me calm down <laughs> really <laughs> yeah well some... Kolasinac and he moved to marseille so that was a big win he like 2x in price or 3x in price i think hybe scarred for life with his thomas party oh I mean, yeah he he occasionally makes it in but yeah there's arsenal are one of those teams where yeah players move to them and it's like a death sentence for the rest of five scores can't trust Sounds them. Like it's time for me to break out the popcorn and let, let you let you boys uh, <laughs> yeah. have a little bit of a back and forth. I heard about that and trusty transfer the other day. There, and there's another one. Nuno Tavares, Lukonga, players that are yeah ruined before they get started. Yeah, uh, I mean, like Arsenal were in in a the first time for about ten years where the transition period actually has a clear plan, and so I'm I'm excited for the next few years. I'm very very amused by our current transfer window but i am excited for the next few years because we've got a great young squad so with the right acquisitions over the next two or three transfer windows it could be good it could also just fall apart massively and backfire but this is the first time i feel like as an arsenal fan that there is a light at the end of the tunnel right i'm gonna trust in you i'm gonna keep these guys <laughs> in the team then gonna keep trusty when he moves so i'll have five arsenal players in this squad now tavares gabriel and Lukonga and Party and Trusty. Wonder who else will, will come. Yeah, I've I've got three of those. Um, but I, as I say, I bought Kalasnatch and sold him. I bought Partey, Tavares, and Gabriel. And last time I checked a few days ago, they were all up in price. So, I, and and that's why I think maybe you're more looking at it as the utility in SO5, whereas I'm more looking at it for uh, have I made profit on this card? Can I sell this card? And that comes that is the user in me of I'm yeah. buying this as an investment to sell it later down the line. And do you think that will always be the case? Or has there been any cards that you've picked up so far that you've grown an attachment to that you're not looking 
at from that standpoint. The, the Maradona. Yeah, the Maradona I just wanted just because it was the first uh, the first legend I picked up um, and I missed the boat on the Ronaldos when they were out. But um, yeah, the, the La Liga ticket, I, I won those, which was the first rewards I won, which was I'm really, I was delighted with. Nice. So I was sitting there rubbing my hands together thinking, yep, these are going to be worth thousands, <laughs> even though the experience itself probably is worth hundreds. <laughs> so I was like, you know, really disappointed when I'm looking at other tickets selling for like 70 pounds and 80 pounds. I was like, oh, well, at least I won some tickets. But um, for the first time ever, really, over the last couple of weeks, I went and bought players for SO5s um, rather than for anything else. And I know I'm late on a few of them and their price has already like jumped but like Parejo for example I went and picked up a couple of weeks ago and I've, I've got a few others where I'm like okay yeah this is purely just for the I want to win rewards kind of situation and uh I was listening to you on the podcast and you you was talking about how people were looking at so rare purely from an analytical and data perspective and I want to be that person more where I'm like I don't care what your name is or your age is who you play for i just want to know if you can do the job for me or not so the old money ball uh approach yeah yeah absolutely and i've been i've not seen that film could you believe but yes it's on the list of things to do for me at the moment never seen yeah. money ball god yeah. no, you've got a foot got a free boots there <laughs> the boots that, that, that's exactly what you've just described okay it is the brentford model as well maybe that could become your second club yeah maybe well they, they beat us all the scenes didn't they so a good good club to support i suppose yeah, good recruitment policy, I think. Team to, to keep an eye on. The, got the utility back in my Ericsson. I know, interesting one. I, I got scared and I dumped mine. Yeah, a few months back. Again, when you referenced your 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 collection there, Nep, um, and I, and I covered this also on on John's pod. Is it's it's fascinating to me that you know, and I do it to a certain degree. You look at your cards or you look at your gallery worth, you know, depending on which metric you follow. I mean, we've got our own valuation tool now at Blackpool, which does differ to Sarare data, but, you know, you pretty much come up with, you know, a number plus or minus 20% of, you know, what you see on see on there. But it's interesting that, okay, I've got my portfolio gallery worth 23. It's like, well, at the moment, because we've all got the blanket and the safety net of knowing that Pavel Trader exists, you know, okay, you might turn around and say 23 is maybe 19 or 18, depending on what. So you've got some sort of safety net when someone's out there like Pavel that's prepared to buy a complete gallery. But these cards, they're not that liquid. You know, okay, as you go up the the, rest, the, the rarity, they've, they've got to have some sort of L5 or L15 to them most of the time for you to be able to feel confident of unwinding. How liquid uh, do you see this market versus the foot market you know i know that there's you know thousands and thousands and thousands more users of that but there's also thousands and thousands more cards as well in terms of you being able to say right i've got 100 cards on foot i've got 100 cards on serrere which one would you be more confident of unwinding and still you know uh, retaining the majority of its of its value yeah on, on foot it would be much much easier in fact people overpay for cards accidentally regularly like I, I don't know if that I, I saw some tweet about bots on Sorare as well, how they're like snapping up cards that are like massively under listed, like, you know, listed below whatever value. And there's things that do that on FIFA as well. And because of coin buying on FIFA, there's a lot of bots that like buy cards at a certain price, but it's just an obscure price. So if you just randomly list your card for that price, you could just sell it for like 10 times what it's worth accidentally. But certainly on FIFA, it'd be easier to get out of 
you know, an investment of cards. And on FIFA, the uh, the rumor mill, I suppose, influences the market considerably to the point where it can make cards go completely extinct on the market that actually have no value or won't change. The utility won't change at all. But because of a particular rumor, they, they will just go up in price, which I suppose has the same effect in some regards on Surair transfers and things like that. But I, I, when I do buy cards, I do like to look at how many have been sold, how regularly they've been sold, what price they regularly get sold at before I make a purchase, which is another one of those things that I only learned after I got burnt buying cards that never got sold and weren't good utility and were, were going to be hard to shift. So it, yeah, another one of those learnt lessons that's probably cost me a, a good few thousand, unfortunately, but I, I would like to hope that it was worth it in the long run. Yeah, I think the, the lessons you, you learn in those early days will always stand you in good stead, won't they? We're, we're seeing incredible new amounts of users coming on. I think this month alone, we've seen 13,000. I think that's the highest for onboarding of, of new managers, having one card or more. Um, it's, that's, that's pretty incredible from what we've seen over the, the last year in terms of growth. If that yeah. sustains... I think because of the, the rarity and the, the lack of cards that we have in the market, you probably see it drying qu up quite quickly on the, the back of a rumour there's already the market you alluded to. Not that liquid a market in terms of availability of the, the top-end players. There's a, a handful of any particular premium player. Normally, there's never more than 10 or 15 of, a, of anyone really listed uh, most times. And yeah, I, I think we're not far off these cards being being dried up and, and taken by those who want to play the game, hold on to them. Well, the rumor of it, the rumor mill on on Sorare, I, I would guess, and this is just a guess, is stronger maybe than an FUT um, for the simple reason that they're, you know, at any given moment there probably isn't more than on average than three or four versions of a card or a player card up for grabs any any one time. So certainly last month. Uh, during the transfer window when there were just constant rumours. You know, you can see through Twitter and, and on the Discord channels, there, there are people scouring the markets for any sort of, you know, knowledge advantage, which is great. And as soon as they've got a rumour that they, you know, feel comes from a credible source, you can act on that. But when you go to the Sarair market, I guess on FUT, you're going to come up, you know, you get a, a rumour of a player that's moving from A to B and you've probably got, you know, pages and pages and pages of that yeah. player. Uh, whereas, you know, on Sarair, you might have a handful of cards from not necessarily lesser informed managers, but managers that have put a card up for sale, not really knowing or expecting that player could be part of any sort of major rumour or transfer. Uh, and as soon as it happens, it's gone. Um, and then as soon as the next wave of people get to hear of that, oh, so-and-so is going from there to there, they have a look and they've already been relisted at a higher price these sort of arbitrage opportunities that, that, you know, existed way back in the day, very early on, you know, I think have dried up completely now. And, and as I've always said on, you know. I'm not so sure. Year. I've got no. an example today, no. So Watford player, um, Ozan Tufan. So not been playing, didn't do very well when he came to the Premier League. So I sweeped up five of them at 0 0.05, a few under that. He's moved back to Galatasaray today. Or there was a, a rumour of it, at least two of them flown off the market at probably double the price, one a bit more than that. There are definitely opportunities there to, to pick up the, these, but there's less of them and everyone's on them quite quickly. 
Fair play, a, good example. I stand corrected. But, but, but what you're saying there, there it is true. There are far less of them. And within the sort of five minutes of me seeing mine listed in one of the other WhatsApp groups I'm in, one of the guys in there had, <laughs> was one of the guys who bought them and he was listing them on for, for an extra premium there again. So, yeah, definitely people are, are looking at that flip or that opportunity from any angle. And th- th- there's a great opportunity for content in that as well. Um, not only using my own example, my own experience with uh, Kolasinac, he was cheap because he doesn't play for Arsenal. But I just knew he would get sold on. I knew there was, you know, it's one of those things where it's like he's not in Arteta's plans and he is a quality player at the right team. When he came from Schalke, he was doing bits in the Bundesliga. And so I had it in my head that when he moves on, he's only 27 years old, he's got a lot of football left in him yet. He'll get, he'll be a good SO5 player when he finds the right club. So I bought him and now he's worth two or three X. It was a great opportunity. And there's, there's a content opportunity there of just saying to people, like, if you've got the knowledge, you can make the funds. But even then with what you've done, I'm looking at your two fans on the market now, having content on like rumors is a, is a potential way to get people outside of even the gaming world into nfts you have so many transfer channels you have fabrizio romano that makes an absolute killing off of just getting information first if you have a sura channel of a creator that is just hot on news that is a great way to get people into sura yeah i think that'd be a, a great approach you do see people obviously adding in their their nft tweets to any of the the rumor that you see going out, but having somebody in the community dedicated hammering those out, I'm, I'm sure you would drive new users. What's this? Their favourite player, seeing them moving on to another team and, and the ability to buy. Well, there is there is a brand new site that came out a few weeks ago, sereaclub.com, um, run by the French community. I'm sure people have seen that. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, a news feed where you can even filter by your players in the gallery. You can look at certain... And it's basically anyone that finds a bit of news can post it up on the Sarare Club feed. And, you know, then you can vote giving, you know, karma points up and down, you know, for the quality of news. I'm sure that at some point these karma points will, you know, give you some sort of rewards or something later on. But yeah, from, from I've, I've, I've logged in a few times and seen it uh, just before deadlines, just to have a look and see if there's any major news. But yeah, I think if you, uh, like Frank now, just going on it now, filter by gallery, injury, relapse for Goretzka, patella tendon of his knee. So, you know, you can find that this is a great news aggregator, uh, which yeah. is being which is curated by Surreal managers. And then again, you can see here top karma for January, you know, uh, Marie, LBI, Rafusan, FRMA. So people are now starting to get a name within the community itself for publishing up good quality content i guess faster than anybody else yeah yeah that's fantastic so uh, if anyone doesn't know that one yes sarareclub.com uh, yeah you can you can link your sarare account and then as i say you can just read the news as it comes in and as i say you can either filter by your own gallery so it will only come up with news relating to cards and players that you own which is great right what else what else haven't we covered this week we've not really touched the, the how and unique do want to do a, a deep dive on that I was part of it, so I mean, I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts. I mean, you, you, you. Um, I mean, it was it was the most publicised auction I think uh, uh, since since the very beginning. You know, yes, we've had some very high brow, high 
you know, we've had the golden auctions, which which caused, you know, some, some interest with the Kevin De Bruyne, obviously back in the day, the Mbappe, but the Mbappe, you know, looking back, certainly didn't get anywhere near the sort of coverage that Haaland's got earlier in the week. And we've had the Ronaldo both on the platform and off the platform with Bonhams, where it was sold for, uh, I think, $880,000. But again, that went largely unnoticed. I'm sure when people go, oh, this Haaland went for 660, 680, whatever it was, it's like, yeah, well, Ronaldo went for 880. So it's only because it's a primary auction versus a, a secondary auction. But again, I don't know what percentage of the Surrey user base know of the even know of the Ronaldo auction uh, that, that took place at Bonhams a few months ago as well. So, but this one was great. I mean, it had to obviously, you know, get kept people guessing. I think majority of the people that were in contention for it sort of knew where it, how it was going to play out towards the end, and and it did play out that way. So, um, but uh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it's, it for me is it's just it is mad. It's so much money on um, on an NFT. But I, I did see one user criticizing Zuma for not having the ability to actually get yield off of this card. So I, I didn't really know how or why. Maybe you could share some light on that. Well, I think if you look at the, the the people that were in the running at the end, Zima Blue was always there. I mean, we could see the deposit of, you know, 245. There were deposits a few weeks before. You looked at his trading record for the last month. He was consistently selling more than he was buying. So, you know, we had him pegged at around 330 ETH, which was nowhere near a number that we were prepared to uh, even go to. Um, there was a couple of surprises. I spoke to a couple of managers. I won't, you know, dox them. Two other managers I know that had north of 280 in their wallet as well. Yeah, it is a lot of money. But when you look at who was in contention for it, there are certainly certain managers that you feel, oh, if that manager was to get it, oh, they would be a real pain in the arse in under 23 Division 1, wherever they want to put it. And out of all, out of some of the managers, it was like, okay, well, Zeman Blue at 265, you know, yes, he's got a nice Bastoni card, but the hard work starts here. If I've got, if I'm looking at that gallery with, the Harlands and the Bastoni, you know, to compete in under 23, can need a little bit more firepower, in my opinion. So that automatically means that maybe Harland gets used more in All-Star or maybe in Euro Champions or maybe in the Unique Division to try and win a regular four ETH uh, on the busy weekends. But there's certainly, I think the point that was being made is that there are, there are managers that I think could have, that certain people think could have, more easily yielded from that. Now, I think, as I said on our Blackpool Discord channel, you have to strip away that this card isn't just the utility. There is that collector aspect. It is the very first Haaland. Um, it could be the only Haaland at Dortmund if he does get a, a transfer over the summer. So it will be looked back upon in two, three years. But someone's still going to come onto the platform and decide that it's worth more than $680,000. And the only way that they're going to do that is if they really, really like the Harlands, <laughs> or yeah. if they don't feel as though they can deploy that $680,000 slightly better elsewhere. You know, as I say, Hybe's just, uh, just said an example of buying, you know, Watford player out of favour, turning 0.05 into 0.1 and above. Well, that's doubling your money. You've you've already said, uh, Klasnich, um, you know, you can 2x, 3x his money very, very easily. So to come in with such a big chunk of money, it's, it is a long-term commitment. Um, you know, we decided, you know, that, uh, well, I decided that I wanted to go for the card itself, but, you know, I wasn't going to justify going beyond the 265 that was there. The fact is that I think 
I, I might have been able to yield that in a slightly different way. I would have used him in an under-23 Division 1, which would have relegated my Haaland super rare to Division 2, which would have relegated my Haaland rare to Division 3. And I think I would have had a pretty good go at being able to yield that in one in one year, maybe one and a half years. Whereas now, everybody, you know, Zima's going to have a target on his back for any big under-23 card now. It's going to be a case that someone else with a big wallet will probably want the card and we'll compete with him, or we'll get to the stage where it's like, sorry, mate, you ain't getting this one for cheap either. To go with your Harland, this one's going to cost. Yeah. So I think that I think there's going to be a lot more politics that goes on in the unique world over the next couple of months. And as I highlighted on Twitter today, there's 35, 40 huge, huge names still to drop this season. How they're going to get them all in before the end of the, the season, I don't know. If they do, then you know I can see a lot of these going for 30, 40, 50 ETH for sure. But will Haaland end up looking like a real outlier at 265? Prior to that, yes, we've had Mbappe at 116, but that was when ETH was a lot lower. Prior to that, we had Neymar at 75, again, during a time where ETH was a lot lower. You know, I was able to pick up, you know, on a private sale with, with Zarao Pedri for 40 ETH, Donnarumma on the market for 42. That's a big, big difference between a 40 ETH unique and a 260 uh, ETH unique. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I think a lot of politics played into this particular auction. And, you know, if, if and I know another guy, he's like, I'm not going to let this go for 150 because, you know, whilst I, I can't go any higher, I know I'm, I'm going to go with 150 just so someone has to go 165. And then we felt that, you know, seeing the other wallets, you know, what was the point in us having money on the wallet and not at least pushing it uh, so that someone else who had even more on their wallet Let's make them make a decision. Did you deposit to put it all on it? Great. Off you go. It's your card. Yeah, it, it is very interesting. And, and the questions that I've like had from my viewers are things like, what, what's like, what, how much does it get devalued next year when they release another Harland unique? Well, it may or it may not. I mean, my, my, my theory is also that, you know, when someone says you spent 265 on it, well, there was always someone that was prepared to pay 240. Otherwise, you wouldn't have had to bid 265. Yeah. So if you do get, you know, it's just, you know, you buy a five ETH card, you buy a 0.5 ETH card, whatever price card you paid, if you're competing against someone at auction, you've only paid 10% more than someone else was prepared to pay. So if you suddenly press the button and we all do it, I mean, oh, should I have paid that? Or, you know, was I crazy to pay that amount of money? If you get a bit of buyer's remorse afterwards, you think, oh, maybe, you know, oh, no, I shouldn't have done that. Now the chances are you can fire sale it for 90% of what you just paid for yeah. it because that's what someone else was prepared to pay for it. So you could there is a there is a secondary argument to say, well, look, if someone's prepared to pay 265, it wasn't a jump bid. It wasn't like it went from 150 to 265. It went, you know, 210, 240, 265. So there were plenty of people. I know that there was at least four people. It was me in the end, but there could have been three other people that bid the same price I bid before Zima went on to bid the, the, winning, the winning amount. So, you know, if he does get buyer's remorse in the next week, chances are he, he knows he's got four people he can turn to and, and, and sell it for pretty much what he paid for it. And if ETH goes back to three and a half thousand pretty quickly or $4,000, then, you know, he can sell it for 220 and still walk away with a very, very nice fiat profit yeah. as well. So, you know, there's going to be, it's got a hell of a lot of residual uh, value until such time, you know, that gets a, a, a potentially longer term injury or some, you know, we've even had a high profile footballer in the news this week that's, you know, never going to play again, that doesn't seem to be uh, likely to play again. So there's always that 0.01% chance that something absolutely crazy can happen, but it's still so, you know, fresh in everybody's minds. I think there will be a lot of eyes to watch, you know, 
you know, I'm sure there'll be weeks where he can he can dominate and win and don't need to win that often. You know, the fact is that there's some very nice cards that you can win. If you do go and win a Vinicius Junior, you go and win an Mbappe or you win another version of the Haaland itself. Yeah. These are going to be 10, 15, 20, 30 cards. And if over six to eight seasons, you just get lucky once a year and you win one of those cards and then you keep picking up a few tier twos, tier threes along the way and a little bit of ETH here and there. It, it will chip away at that price quite quickly, but there are definitely managers. And there was a manager I know who, you know, had it fallen to that person, you know, then I, I, I would have taken that as a, wow, that's, that's something which is going to make me sit up and think I might need to go and, you know, arm up a little bit more now to, to counter that. But Zima sitting with Harlem for the next couple of months, unless he suddenly spends that money again on two or three others and a supporting cast and a bit of depth, Great, no problem at all. I'll put my super rare in Division One, and uh, I'll take a little bit of a hit on the on the uh, on 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 the XP. But I'll try and beat him with the other four uh, versus his other his other four. Yeah, it's, it's all very interesting. Is it like I say, we as like me and my viewers, we don't get to see or hear this side of things because, like my I guess uneducated mind just sees, uh, oh, I could easily go into the unique world, buy five uniques, play them, and just hope that they all have a good game that week and win some rewards but listening to the ins and outs of you just knowing who's got what how they're likely to play where that makes you play different in different divisions again just opens up that whole thought process of okay what am i then doing with my cards on a way lower scale but it still has that same impact doesn't it of somebody picking up that brand new card actually influence what I've just purchased in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think in, in uh, division four, division three, um, because there is so many managers and there's so many possible permutations, you're going to come up against, you know, Kimmich, Lewandowski, Mbappe. You're going to come up against Kimmich, Lewandowski, Neymar. You're going to come up against Kimmich, Neymar, Mo Salah. There's, good, there's so many different permutations there that you, you've got to lay your best five down and fingers crossed. Whereas in Division 1, because there isn't that many uniques in circulation, obviously it gets more competitive every week, regardless of what people tell you. Um, but when you look at your nearest competitors, you know, I mean, I, I'd rather spend half an hour putting myself in someone else's shoes, thinking, okay, if I had this team this week, how would I play? Okay, I'd go there, there, there. Okay, that person's going to be strongest there. Versus spending half an hour looking at, you know, L50, L40s and, you know, charting prices and, and so forth, because it's, it's for me, it's more valuable to try and second guess where are my immediate competitors going to be. And in Division 2, I think, you know, it's you've still got a, a window whereby you can, you know, be quite confident with certain teams or you can lead with your best team in a certain uh, region or, or you know, say under 23 all-star depending on what you're specializing in and be confident that okay yeah well if he's going to play that one there he's got to put his Inter Milan stack there or they're going to do their you know his Man City players are going to be there and so forth so and division one I think you've got that you know at least for the next year easy um, and so it, it does become a more a more intimate game amongst the, the the people that are there but then again you get the people like roxy that have come in recently and bottle ball recently and they can you know bully themselves straight into division one and straight into contention and and roxy already yes you know you can say that you know his behavior has been unique which it has there hasn't been that many people since mr Carapu that have come in and just literally just gobbled up and bought anything hot and you know good on the market a bottle bar's come in and done a very good job. And there are others also that uh, have built, you know, 
exceptionally strong galleries from a standing start in a short period of time. But, you know, I see it as I'm playing against Roxy, I'm playing against Zara, I'm playing against AJ, I'm playing against uh, Il Phenomena, I'm playing against Serrera Italia. Sorry if I've, I've missed out a few. I'm just rattling off the ones off the top of my head. Dream Villain. I'm playing against these people in, in, in under 23 in the tournaments. And so I have to put myself in their position and go, well, what would I do this week? And if I'm not quite strong enough and under... If I'm thinking, oh, okay, this man, I'm not quite strong enough myself to be an under 23. And I know that maybe YNWA is or Roxy is or AJ is. Maybe I'm better off not using under 23 this week and I'm maybe better off going with three of my under 23 and two of my main guys. I'm going to go for all-star. I'm going to go for Euro champs. And until there are more people with larger galleries of uniques, I, I find it quite fascinating to you know try and play out in my head, you know, who's going to go where. And that's that's how I pretty much put my teams together now. Yeah, and, and that, that is a great insight. And it, it brings me to like two, I guess, like questions or thoughts. And the first one is, what does that mean for new users? Because if if Sorare wants to capture the general public, it feels like, based on what you said there, that everybody who's not quite literally like a multimillionaire or has an insane financial backing has got no chance of being a part of that collective there, which similarly then in turn makes me feel like, aren't you so concerned that Sorare will do something that dramatically changes the landscape of how the SO5 works, that it will just devalue your gallery enormously? Um, potentially the latter, yes and no. I mean, desirable cards will always be desirable cards. And as you know, from the physical card world uh, and you know now the digital card world, you know, a large percentage by and large are just there to make up the numbers. The real yeah. value is in, is in the top one, two, three percent of the cards. But I think the reason why, you know, I've, you know, the way I've explained it there, the reason that you perhaps feel like that is because at the moment the game still doesn't offer that natural progression from division four to three to two to one. There is that as a bottleneck, you get to three, you stop. You then have to try to decide whether or not you want to jump from three to one. And that jump is, is, is just too big for the majority of people, which is fully understandable. You know, I've been advocating for a long time that, you know, I'd like to see less rewards given to tournaments. This is not connected to the, you know, the, the, the one on the, on the casual league at all. I'm saying in general, I would like to see as many rewards given for collector-based tasks so yeah. that you've got two ways. You come into Serer on day one, and obviously you've got your tournaments to one side and you've got you know, the collector aspect on another and if people were rewarded as much for what they did on the collector side as for what they did on the tournament side, you've got two potential paths to success. At the moment, we just have one and it's and it's fragmented because, as I say, you're either in a certain part of the uh, of the growth curve and, you know, you can you can you can ride that whilst they're still making these changes. But there's no alternative. Whereas if you came into Sarare and you were presented with two clear paths to succeed, you could do them both simultaneously. But let's say they gave out half of the rewards that they do currently, but then you could unlock half the rewards from just doing basic things, collecting tasks. You know, I think you would take the pressure off having to think about who are the very best players to buy on the platform in the optimal form with the right fixtures. Oh, and they, of course, will be the most expensive cards because someone's already figured it out before you. And that premium's already gone on to that player. Yeah. Whereas, again, the fundamentals right now are still that tier three and tier two cards have 
absolutely no value whatsoever. So if they suddenly injected all tier three and tier two cards with some sort of collector value, I'm not saying we should burn them or, you know, we should still celebrate the cards, but let's say you needed to, you know, let's pick on a team. Let's say you needed to put together five Circle of Bruges players, a full team of Circle of Bruges. Could be any goalkeeper, any outfield players, but a qualifying team of Circle of Bruges players and you unlock a reward this week, a tier three or a tier two, or whatever it happens to be. People would imagine how the supply would dry up because people would literally just keep hold of these cards now yeah. because I might need that for a task next week or I might need that for something which is going to help me get up the get up the collector leaderboard. I know this card's never going to go and get me 80 points every week in, in, in a tournament team, but it might be useful for me to use every week in one of my collector-based tasks. Yeah, and that or means even uh, if you get a, a tier three card that has no value now. Somebody else might desperately need that card because there's not many on the market, and that's the last piece of their puzzle to go into the collector's team. And exactly, and 100. Now, now imagine your tier three and tier twos unlocking you super rare card wins. Yeah, and then and then see. Okay, well now I can make a pathway to maybe owning uniques and then competing. And then the people that are now currently competing on the unique side, they're like, well, there's less to play for here. I don't, you know, maybe the collection tasks don't need the, the uniques and maybe it would incentivize me to perhaps ease back on my collection and go, well, I don't need to carry this much now to try and cover me for every single tournament. Yeah, I'll put these back into the market. Maybe my focus would then revert back to the tier two, tier three. So at the moment, we've got cards that are worth, you know, 0.01 for argument's sake, 0.02, ranging to 265 ETH. Okay. Yeah, I do think over time, you know, the sort of money that I was paying for the Donnarumma and the Pedri, I do think that is, I do did feel that that was the top whack that you should be paying for some sort of cards. Um, but I'd like to see all the 0.01s and all the 0.2s become 0.04, 0.05, 0.1, because there's, you know, a chance that each week they might be needed somewhere else. They're certainly not needed in tournament play but it would be nice to think that they might be needed somewhere else and have utility somewhere else. And when that happens, I think it brings prices a little bit closer together. And I think it allows for people to, to be successful that aren't necessarily as successful as they want to be right now in the tournament mode. Yeah. That some great ideas. There, absolutely. It would make for again, good, good, good content, good publishing, good, good. It would just be all round good for Soraya to bring new managers on have people talking about it a lot more because it wouldn't be like, oh, I'd love to get involved, but I have to spend so much money just to even have a chance. All of a sudden, it'd be like, hey, like, what's your, you know, what's your plan for this this new tournament? You know, this new collectors section this week. Like, create a lot more chatter, positive chatter about the site. I think. Yeah, go and go and collect five people that have a connection to Arsenal. Bang, you know, first of all, the people that support Arsenal will, will have a very good working knowledge of who on the platform exists that have an Arsenal connection. You probably already own them. Great, you're in the front position that week. It sort of happened with like the weekly challenges. It was almost like weekly challenge this week, you know, Juventus v Napoli. You've got to have one of these players or San Siro derby into the AC and you win a special, you know, something like that. It was still linked to tournaments, but I, I could see that playing out um on on the collector side as well and you know then it doesn't matter you know if it's a Bayern Munich collection thing then you don't need to have Neuer, Pavard, uh, Kimmich, Lewandowski, Nabry it might be that you just have to have five Bayern Munich players and then you know all of a sudden the reserve goalkeeper the third choice goalkeeper all the fringe players all of the youth prospects that you know haven't quite made it into the first team yet 
they become as valuable, close to as valuable as the main stars. But right now, even when you look at Bayern Munich, there's probably only a core of six or eight of the players that you go, well, once, you know, I've got five of those eight and I know they're starters, why would I even bother buying another Bayern Munich player? Yeah. So, yeah, just little ideas that can help bring the, the range, the value range of players closer together. Because if that happens, yeah, I mean, I'd be all for it because then it would surely attract more, more people from the outside. If people are looking in this week and only seeing, you know, the 265 ETH Haaland thing, again, people might be excited and that might be, you know, great. But it might be the, you know, it's not going to suddenly go, well, that's for me. I'll go and join that, you know, because yeah. it's, it's, it's priced out 99.99% of the people before they've even got started. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and it's even uh, like a lot of the foot users. And, and I think there is, I, I definitely think Sorare are interested in uh, like, I guess, getting that user base or, or whatever. With those, with foot players, with FIFA players, it's all always been about packs. And everybody, no matter how good or bad you are, no matter how much or little you spent, everybody has a chance at their best card. That sort of uh, Holland at 265, I actually think scares people away a lot more because there's no chance that your average Joe signs up and can get involved and win that level of card in any way. And if if you're every everyone's a dreamer, you know, a, a lot of gamblers they want to they don't want to make consistent, slow, steady profits over time. They want to hit the jackpot, and just the price of him will scare people away from even trying to be a part of it because it's unobtainable. I think also there's, there are other definite ways that you can help improve in terms of, you know, I've, I highlighted again today, the 50 or 45 uniques that still to go. There's no reason why we can't award uniques, but rather than award uniques for like a one-off match or a one-off game week where, okay, you, you, your stack hit, great, you win a card. It's like, I think there needs to be some rewards for longevity. You know, Seasonal play. Who, yeah, yeah, you know, whether it be it just start it out with a month, you know, in a month we get seven or eight game weeks. There's certainly people that plan ahead. You know, we've had it in the last few weeks, people that are successful during the international weeks, you know, where there's few fixtures or they've identified like last night, Olympic Lyon versus Marseille. Great. Pretty much you've put a stack out last night. Chance are you've won something. But, you know, it could be that next season, Haaland could be a prize. But to unlock that prize, you might need to have, you know, eight, 12 weeks, whatever it happens to be of, 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 of consistently featuring. It might be your average point score over the course of a month, over a couple of months or whatever it happens to be. It might be, you know, squad related, you know, for example, going into a, into a month, you could have a squad of, I don't know, let's say 50 players and you're only allowed to use each player once. Great. I yeah. mean, we've had these, we've had these ideas externally on third party sites as well. So there are a lot of things because at the moment you can only win a super rare. So the only way to get a unique is to have a wallet deep enough to buy one. But if there were ways in which you were incentivized, okay, unless you've got massive referral chain like yourself, I suppose, uh, but you're not going to, you know, suddenly wake up with an Mbappe referral award. You wouldn't no. have thought. Um, but if there are ways to win uniques, and again, that could be incentivized through super rares so that people are going, oh, well, I won't settle with rares now because if I can go from rares to super rares, then there's a chance for my super rares could win me a unique. So it's it's still about making uh, perfecting that progression path that will give people the belief that, yeah, I don't, you know, the jackpot scenario may or may not happen. It happens, you know, when you when you hit when you hit the podium or when you hit a nice prize because there's still a big difference between winning a Haaland or Mbappe versus winning a, you know, a tier zero goalkeeper that may be worth, you know, 
10-15% of the price. But if the progression curve is more thought through, then you know you wouldn't stop at rares because okay, it'd be nice to get you know, a guy asked me today, he said, I've got these cards, I've got some limiteds, I'm thinking of selling off my limiteds. I want to buy Mo Salah and I want to buy an Allison. I'm like, okay, fine. But are you buying the Mo Salah and the Mo and, and, and the Allison to compete in division four? Because in my opinion, that's 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 not as good as potentially spending that seven ETH on building a division three team because you know yes Allison's sure. a great goalkeeper yes Salah is a great player and will consistently score but you're just going into a melting pot of thousands of teams and as we discussed earlier there's going to be so many different combinations of great players and great stacks it's still going to be very difficult to break into the top uh, top positions but if you've got your if you've got Salah and Allison in division three and your supporting cast was maybe two mid-range super rares that got better multipliers and a, and a fifth person there's still eight to ten star rares on a busy weekend there less competition in division three you know i wouldn't be spending seven eth to reinforce a division four team i'd you know for seven eth you could you could build a division two team right now uh worst case i'll be building division three uh, you know so again but if you've got the incentive that maybe division three you can win a super and division two you can win a unique and division one maybe just an eth reward so that people aren't just always waiting, you know, the best super rares in the game. Maybe, maybe that's the best way to go. Yes, that would have an adjustment on values, which is, you know, part of the question you asked. But I don't think, you know, we everyone, no matter where you are on the curves, had it so good for so long that if we woke up tomorrow morning and we've got told that, you know, the system is better and the system is able to attract now the million users that we want to attract, would you care if your portfolio dropped by? 20 30 50 percent in value it's only hypothetical value anyway you're, you're buying these cards for their potential yield the majority of the time so if the rug not the rug but if if we got told that you know the value of our cards was worth 50 percent less but it you know in six months the new game would be attractive and we'd be able to onboard a million people the supply and demand alone would mean that you'd recover that pretty quickly if you had good cards yeah that's a very very good way to look at it and it's always a question i've struggled to answer to people and they're like what if or if you know something goes wrong or, or something changes like yeah I, I don't know <laughs> i don't know because some people can't afford and, and this is where it gets tricky for me with my audience and with my history and my background it, it gets it, it gets tricky for me to have that moral kind of uh acceptance of i'm actually getting whether or not i'm encouraging people or actively telling people to spend I know that my influence is causing people to sign up to the site and spend money. And if in three months time, they made a big change or profile basis by 50%, I would feel horrendous because I would be accountable for some people that got involved in that regard. Yeah, it, it is a, it is a balancing act. And that's, you know, one of the main reasons that, you know, I've always abstained. I didn't want to put myself in a position where, you know, I'll, I'll I was asked to be an affiliate, you know, I'm still happy to produce content like this. Come on, talk to people, shoot the breeze, you know, and, you know, we all learn from each other and uh, yeah, uh, and, we, and we make new friends along the way. But as you said, to monetize that knowledge can be, you know, potentially dangerous. I mean, even, even if you're not getting paid, you know, certain people in certain spheres that say something and it's taken as gospel and, you know, you've got to be pretty confident that, that it's right. Yeah. So Nip, thank you very much for, joining us today it's been an absolute pleasure and lots of great chat in there yeah, thank you very much for having me sure we'll, we'll have you back soon is yeah keep up the great work so that brings us to the end of today's so rare global fantasy football podcast i hope you found it useful 
As always, if you could like, subscribe, and leave a review, and we can help introduce the fantastic concept to more users. See you next time.